Hello and welcome back to another episode of I Was Hornswoggled, waking up from a narcissist-induced nightmare. This is Harena, your host, sitting in her van for a van diary entry. That is right. I am back in my van. It is a Wednesday, though. It is April 20th, 2022, and this time we're picking back up because I did not forget my book at home like I did last week. Uh, The Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist by Debbie Mirza. Her last name is spelled M-I-R-Z-A, and it has a foreword by Meredith Miller. And uh, one of the things that I said I loved about this book was the fact that Debbie uh, one included more info on covert narcissists and two had a section about covert narcissist parents. Cause I, I see a lot of like how to deal with like a romantic relationship regarding narcissists, but not a lot on how to handle like parents or growing up with siblings that are narcissists, stuff like that. So I really enjoy her book for that reason. So I definitely recommend her book for that reason. So uh, being a Van Diary entry, I am going to be covering and winging the show. Um, So I'm going to try to find a place to sit you down. I was going to try to sit you up by my steering wheel. But I like to be able to hit the pause button in case I have to sneeze or cough or clear my throat or something like that. So I hope it sounds okay down there by my drink, my drink holder. Get cozy down in my drink holder. I hope you're having a great day. So we're going to hop into where we left off. We were talking about covert narcissist parents and we're going to talk about how they, um, were making their, how they fool people on the outside world while they're like being a jack wagon in their home life. So, and the part that I really loved about Debbie's book is that she actually puts in information and stories that from her clients that she's had throughout the years to kind of give us something to compare our experiences to, which is one of the reasons why I do this podcast. For one, I want to put this type of behavior that I've had to uh, grow up with and my sister had to grow up with and in essence my mother because um, now I know why my grandma's the way she was and she has multiple diagnoses um, on top of her being um, pretty sure because I can't diagnose anybody I'm not a doctor I'm not a therapist but I am a person who has been educating themselves on this and has lived this. So, and I'm pretty sure my aunt is also one, if not all of them. Yeah. Because now it makes so much sense of why my cousins are the way they are. So I'm sure I'll be able to touch on that in some future episodes. So where we left off, she was talking about a client named Christy who told her that she felt like she had lived with an enduring low-level sadness her whole life. And she said that she actually felt it from her during her sessions with her and that it really broke her heart. And she said, because Christy was a very kind and caring, real, honest, smart, and tender woman, and she actually deserves so much better. But um, many adult daughters of covert narcissist mothers told Debbie stories about growing up, stories of confusion and cruelty, manipulation mixed with loving sentiments. And that really, I highlighted that for a reason. Like my book is 
I keep a highlighter in my purse for this very reason. Um, I was having some flashback memories. I was talking to my husband about this and it hit me that it, he even remembers this now that my mom, and this is the tricky part. Okay. Is when I think back to my mom and just like this lady here was talking about Chrissy, the cruelty from my mom was mixed in with like life advice that even now to this day was pretty good advice. But then I'm like, she must have snagged that from somebody because there's no way that this shell of a person who continues to live this life where she is mean to people and condescending and cruel on the down low um, would come up with this wisdom nuggets, you know? So just like how Christy's in here said that, you know, many adult daughters like Christy um, actually had stories of like confusion, cruelty, manipulation mixed with loving sentiments. And it says the majority of them said that they considered their mom to be their best friend until well into their adulthood. And that explained my experience with my mom to a T. When I was 38, 39, I would have told you that she was my best friend. I told her she was my best friend. I told her that she was my most like, like trusted person in my life. And like, I felt like I could trust her with anything. And she loved hearing that because when I had to cast her out of my life, um, in 20, the beginning of 2020, um, she really through that, she remembered that me telling her that throughout the years, because she made herself so valuable in my life. I had no idea that she was on the outside of my life sabotaging me behind my back and trying to sabotage my marriage and any relationship or friendships that I had. It was just, if you have suffered from uh, narcissistic abuse, especially covert narcissistic abuse, you know that this is definitely a thing. They do all this stuff behind your back. So I was shocked and I felt seen. I definitely felt seen when it said that the majority of them said they considered their mom to be their best friend until they were well into adulthood. I was well into adulthood. I had two, both of my children already. We had already bought our house. We, you know, the typical family life, you know, got your house, you got your car, you got your kids, you got your job, you know, you got your adult life going. And then you find out, oh my gosh, my mom is this awful energy vampire who wants to remove me totally from my life and take my spot. It was just oh, awful. So like Allie was sharing in, in her story that Allie's mom praised her constantly and she was very involved in her life and she would make sure she excelled in school to the point that she would even redo a lot of her projects to make sure they would be impressive and get high grades. And she would get all the books and supplies Allie needed. And Allie's mom was frequently stressed. So Allie even made sure she cleaned and did helpful things around the house to help her. And this right here brought back a lot of memories. Um, for one, my mom knew, and I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last episode, but uh, my, my last uh, book spotlight episode, but I remember hating the fact that if I even looked like I had a double chin, like if I had any 
bit of fat that hung below my chin, which genetically I do anyways, no matter how skinny I was, I always had a little bit of something under my chin. So that always drove me nuts before I just embraced it and said, whatever, <laughs> this is the way my chin is and, and is mine. So when I remember being in high school and you know how you always think that you're like fat until you look back at the pictures, you're like, holy cow, I was skinny and the whole time I thought it was fat. And now that I feel fat, I really wish I would have lived the good life while I was skinny. <laughs> you know, you don't realize it until you, you know, 20 years later, you're like, what, what was what was I on? I thought that I was fat back then. So when I was like in high school, I remember thinking I was so fat and blah, blah, blah. And I was obsessed with like keeping my hair long enough that I could hide my profile, my side profile. You know, those weird things that bog bug you, especially when you're young. So knowing this, my mom, you never graduated beauty school or cosmetology school, but she would act like she did and she would cut all of her hair my entire life. I think I've only had a salon haircut like once at, uh, actually I could tell you it has only been once and it was on a cruise ship because thankfully I can cut my own hair now because I went to beauty school because she made me because you know, that's another thing that they, they live their life through you. So I was like, kind of just forced in that direction. Like, Hey, this is what you're going to do. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> like the little trained person I was. So she never graduated cosmetology school. She blamed it on my dad and mostly being a mom, you know, I couldn't, I could have been so many things, but I was a mother instead. And <laughs> you know, that's what they do. They blame all of their grandiose things. their woulda, coulda, shouldas that never panned out or came to fruition, they will blame on you. So my mom said, I'll cut your hair at this style. And I was like, oh, I don't know if you can, cause it was an inverted bob. I've always loved inverted bobs where it's a little shorter in the back and longer in the front. And because you know, that hit my whole need to have my bangs be my side of my face be longer to cover my, my, uh, supposedly my double chin. So my mom goes, no, I can totally do it. Just trust me. So for whatever reason, because I was a captive audience, I was a prisoner. <laughs> I said, okay. And then you know what she did? She called her friend and she turned the TV on. I said, wait, you're going to try to cut my hair while watching TV and talking on the phone? Yes, I can do it. Don't you try to tell me how to do it. Da -da. So I'm like, okay, it should have known not to let this go down. You know what that woman did? She cut one side of my hair above my chin, above my chin, and left the other side of my hair down below my chin by like three inches. She made my hair so jacked up. I looked like I had a asymmetrical, weird hairdo. It was not even whatsoever. And then she just said, well, I thought I could do it. Oh, okay. No, I knew she didn't. Why would you willingly try to cut somebody's hair. So it's like she knew all of my weak spots and then would play dumb, right? And that's what they'll do. Narcissists, especially covert narcissists, know where your weak spots are. They will go up just like when you're little and you had a bruise and somebody would walk up and go, does that hurt? And then like poke your bruise. I don't know. Maybe that only happened to our, our us in our childhood. <laughs> but it was very much like that where she knew better. She knew that that upset me and she went like right after it. And it was very strange. So that reminded me 
But on the flip side, she would be like, oh, you're so funny. You're so this. You could be a comedian someday, or you could be a therapist someday, or you could be um, a lawyer. Some like She would always throw all these grandiose job titles at me that I had no interest in whatsoever. I was a teenager, and she did this through my whole life. And it's like, because she obviously was always throwing her projecting her inside identity out onto me and her aspirations out onto my sister and I. So it was nice and refreshing to realize that I was not alone in this experience with my mom. And for one thing, she would, they, that's how they treated my sister and I differently. She would hold my sister um, to a higher standard at school. And I, I know I've mentioned this before and she would do the opposite to me. She didn't want me to excel. She never held me accountable for grades. My parents never taught us about college and grade point averages. They, none of this stuff. Uh, we never got tutors when we needed help in school. We were just kind of, you know, pushed through and ignored. So that was always frustrating for me. Now as a parent, I see back and I'm like, oh, all right, that was by design. She didn't want me to excel or to be any better than her. I had to stay right where I was at. I was not allowed to go further. So also um, in the chapter of Covert Narcissist Parents, it says there's an intense underlying manipulation that makes children feel so much guilt and shame that they blame themselves a lot and feel like they're responsible for how their covert narcissist parents feel. And I noticed that, I noticed that when my mom when I heard the term narcissistic temper tantrum, it really summed up a lot of my childhood with my mom. My sister and I were trained that she would go and pick a fight with my dad because he wasn't like, you know, jumping through her hoops. And I think that he was already fried and she was already just like sucked the life out of him. And I remember being like nine, 10 and my sister and I would hide up in this tree and there was a path from our house to the pool barn where my dad would spend most of the time when he wasn't at work. So we knew if we wanted to see our dad at all, because he also worked second shift. So we literally only saw our dad on the weekends and he normally worked seven days a week. And now looking back, I know why he was just trying to get out of the house and um, leaving us at home. And then he would just escape and work and set up his world at work and not at home. So now we know why <laughs> I would have done the same thing. <laughs> and I think I did do the same thing. That's why I, the minute I got a car, I started working and going to high school and going to college. You know, I was doing two to three things at a time and I was not home for, by design. So it makes sense now. But my mom would throw so many narcissist temper tantrums that my sister and I were trained like little, little therapists for her to lean on. We would immediately go and get a glass of cold water because she would ask for it the first couple times she would ask for it. So then when she would run in after fighting with my dad for the fourth or fifth time for the day on the weekend, we would immediately run to the sink get the glass of water, get a cold rag, and then pamper her while she wailed in her bed and just throwing these like crazy temper tantrums. So there's a lady staring at me really funny because I'm in my car talking. 
So hold on. I'm back. I realized that I talk with my hands and this lady, <laughs> this lady, I'm sitting in the school parking lot waiting for my kids while they're in class. And um, if you didn't know, just side story, that's what I do. My van diaries are done in my van while I drop my kids off for their classes because we homeschool, but we also do like a partnership. So they get to go in, have these extracurricular classes that I don't do at home, and then we do their core classes at home. So because of that, I'm surrounded by so many other parents in this parking lot. And I just realized I was talking with my hands, holding a book and staring ahead. So clearly, I look like I'm having a very deep conversation with someone, but that someone isn't like nowhere to be found in my vehicle. So I just wanted to wait because she was like parked right next to me and yeah, you, you got the picture. So anyways, I digress. Um, so we were trained to immediately jump into action when our mom would go out and pick a fight with my dad we would be up in her tree house where she couldn't obviously climb a tree that was always our safe place we named all kinds of trees in our yard different names like the summer house the mansion the vacation home stuff like that it was like the code my sister and i had that if we needed to escape or get away we would say i'm going to the mansion or i'm going to the summer house or i'm going to the vacation house because or the cottage it was because we named these trees in our yard we had about 79 acres of land we grew up on it was passed to my dad from his dad and you know that made all of the aunts and uncles very happy i'm sure so then um we would escape and uh we would have some serenity you know growing up but the summer house tree was right near the path from the house to the pole barn where my mom would beat tracks. And we would joke as kids, we'd be like, man, you could tell that her mom walks this thing like daily, multiple times a day. Because leading up to the time that my dad would have to go to work and if we were off for the summer, we would see more of him during the day before he would leave to go to work. And then when we were at school, we would never see our dad throughout the week and maybe only a couple hours on the weekend. So it was like we had a single father through the entire school year. So <laughs> we would know, we would hear her go walk from the house, stomp all the way across the yard, fight, 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 and then wail all the way back to the house. So we'd have to climb down our tree because even though it drove us mad, um, we were still trained by the covert narcissist to jump into action and we were always had to be her cheerleader and I think that she tried this multiple times as we got older but we started to see that our dad wasn't as jerky as what she always told us she would cry and wail in her room and they would we would always come to her aid so I understand exactly how Allie was saying here like you do end up taking on like a responsibility that's not your own and um, you feel like you're somehow tied to the covert narcissist emotions. They have you trained to jump into action, to either immediately buckle, to stop pushing back, or to um, save them from the evil villain of that particular moment. And it's really, it's really creepy when you see how how they can expand this influence you know you can kind of expect it if it's a parent doing it to you 
but when you see them work their magic skills, their little ma magic nerk skills outside of the home onto their coworkers, if they can keep a job long enough, or the people at church or the just family friend circles, you start to see how they can really manipulate those people and you're like, wow. And in you knowing the dark side that they have compared with the um, facade that they're showing the world, you it's just, it all makes sense the older you get. So um, Debbie goes on to say in her book that covert nurses' parents are also very out of touch with their kids. They will tell other they will tell others how their kids are doing, usually sharing glowing reports that are not based in reality. Tommy's doing great. They'll say to friends, then when the truth is, Tommy keeps missing school because he's experiencing depression. And this really made me think of my cousins because my aunt has um, openly been diagnosed with like bipolar disorder. And then she has um, like this gray matter they said in her brain. And then now knowing what I know about narcissists, I know she's on there too because she has such extreme mood like um, swings and she would elevate her kids. Her kids, I feel so sad for my cousins, but um, they chose substance abuse where I used to be addicted to boxed wine when I fell into depression after my dad passed, um, I understand that it's not, it's not a choice. Everybody's like, well, you shouldn't have done it. Well, most of the time you're self-medicating, you're trying to cope with something else that's going on in your life. So substances that seem to be readily available seem to be easy fixes and really they're not, they fix nothing. So, um, I'm trying to look at the clock to make sure I get in there on time to fetch my lovey booze. So, so with my cousins, my aunt would lift them up. Oh, they're doing great in school. Oh yeah, they're doing so good. Blah, blah, blah. And then come to find out they had quit school. They had been expelled for fighting. Um, they have been put in jail. Uh, one time I was at work and I heard about this meth lab that exploded in a hotel not far from where I was at and oh it was my cousin she brought her and her one of her newborns because she would just kept popping out children and then like my aunt kept raising them so it's like my aunt and I could always see that my aunt was like an, an enabler but I could never make the connection that yeah she was an enabler but on the same token she was the creator so she was easily creating the scenario that her kids to make them need her. So she would never truly help them in their addiction or in their um, substance abuse because that kept them reliant on her. So she would bail them out of jail and then tell everybody else they're doing great. And then God only knows like what she was doing to them on the inside. Cause I also heard that when my cousin got meningitis and she was in the hospital, my aunt got kicked out of the hospital because she was threatening to beat my cousin up in her hospital bed and then turned on the staff. Sorry, I almost sneezed. So, you know, I feel like my aunt is more overt. She's, she is very aggressive. She is very aggressive and cussing and belligerent and growing up she would always threaten bodily 
harm on people who pushed up against her. She's very violent, very violent. She has punched her kids, physically assaulted her kids, and as adults, as adults. And I remember when I was 18, my she was trying to tell my mom, like trying to get her to do the same thing to me. I remember when AOL was like the internet that we had and I was having to log in for something from my college and I remember my mom saying she needed the computer and I said okay I just have to log out because my dad was a stickler if you didn't log all the way out of your account on the computer he would lose his mind you couldn't just log out of AOL and just leave it there at the desktop he wanted you to back all the way out so he could click his little special desktop I got. So I'm like, I knew that if I just got up and left the minute my mom needed the computer, that she, I would get all the crap from my dad and she would get nothing. So I said, hold on, I'm logging out. I got to log out. And you know, you know, everything on dial up was extra slow. And my mom lost her ever loving mind because I wasn't jumping when she said jump. And she said, she all of a sudden started raging at me, get off the computer! And I put my finger up like, hold on, I'm, I'm just logging out so you can get in. And she goes to grab my throat like she's going to choke me. I stood up like, like, whoa, what is, what's going on? Like, this is escalating quite fast. And then she backed me into the corner of the living room and put her hands around my neck. Well, thankfully my, my best friend in high school happened to be sitting in the chair behind me and she was watching TV and like not really paying attention until she saw my mom trying to choke me out in the corner. And thankfully, ironically, my mom took us to self-defense class when we were younger. So I just slipped my hands through, put them together in front of me and then lifted them up over my head like in a fist that you make together and then you bring your elbows down and you can break whoever's trying to choke you. So I did that and got out of my mom's chokehold and I'm, and she started raging at me. And I said, if you touch me one more time, I'm calling the cops on you because I was 18. She's assaulting me and over a freaking computer logout, like out of the blue. And then she goes, I'm calling your aunt right now. And I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. My physically, mentally, verbal, abusive aunt that you've all of a sudden started talking to again. Now this makes sense. This is why you're trying to choke me out because the AOL isn't logging me out. <laughs> fast enough. So, you know, I got to wrap this up because my kids are going to be um, getting out of class soon. But um, I just wanted to cover this spot right here because covert narcissists, one, they will make you, they will train you to come and, and take care of them um, and sweep up the ashes of whatever mess they have created. Like my mom constantly um, needing us to give her water and a cold rag and so on. And two, they will not ever really lift you up. Honestly, they will only lift you up if they look good because they're lifting you up. If your talents are making them look good, if your skills are making them look good, uh, they don't really honestly care about whether you are doing good or whether you are feeling good or whether you are safe and cared for. It's only how things look on the outside. 
So if you start to realize that these, you're seeing these patterns and you're seeing these red flags and, and when you listen to like podcasts like mine or read books and you can go back and flash back and you realize that this stuff has been going on a lot longer than what we had realized because we didn't know what to look for. But once you know what to look for, you can't not stop seeing it in your everyday current life, but you really can't stop from getting out your big narc magnifying glass and like going combing through every weirdo rama scenario that ever happened to you you can't help yourself but also going back to that and going hey now i'm going to look at this whole childhood of mine with a new set of eyes and start to see that yep a lot of things are starting to add up now you get to have a lot of answers for things you fully didn't understand so um it is time for me to go so you guys have a great day and i will see you in my next van diary entry